up, Internet? We could be under the dogs, too. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Silencio Bruno. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Luca. The Disney Pixar film. Luca. That is a, that is the company that is doing <laughs> the film. Do you remember the song? My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. I no. live upstairs from you. D- no, I, what? Don't you see me before? Keep if going, you though. hear something late at night, uh. some kind of truck. You know, the song is about domestic violence, so, you know. <laughs> oh, re- well, this took a turn. Why are you giving me this roller because coaster it, of emotions? Because it just has this, the, the great time. My name you, is Luca. Wait, you I gotta, come, I gotta, you I gotta, come I back on the podcast <laughs> after a week away. What and you th- just feel like you can you can you can play me like an emotional fiddle, Shahir. I don't appreciate it. Wait, wait, wait let me just uh, I'm just I'm just pulling from the Wikipedia. Luca is a song written and recorded by Suzanne Vega, released as a single in 1987. It remains her highest charting hit in the United States, reaching number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, the song deals with the issue of child abuse, which is exactly why I picked it for this podcast. No, Great. <laughs> this is working out so well for everyone involved. It would have been it would have been a really interesting moment if they had decided to play this song in the in the film. Interesting. Yes. Anyone old, if if you're old enough to remember this song playing all the time as I was, uh, please write us in at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod and tell us also the other 80s hits that you used to listen to since um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and reminisce about now that you are in a rocking chair and use a crane, uh, cane on a daily basis. Of course, of course. Also, just so you know, we are in the middle, a couple of points of order. We're in the middle of a heat wave right now, which means there are fans or ACs going on in the background. So if you hear anything, uh, any, any slight hums, please forgive us as we are trying not to instantly burst into flame. I was going to say, if you hear a dripping, that is the sweat from my armpits. Yum. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope that all those visuals really helped you out. Yeah, and good for a movie for a, for a picturesque Disney Pixar film set amongst. Uh, it's not the Amalfi Coast, though, is it? This film. Like, I mean, it kind of isn't feel, it? It feels. It like feels it. exactly like the Amalfi Coast because I've been there and yeah. I was like, "Ooh, this gives me good brain chemicals." I've been there too, and I was delighted. It if I everyone I, I, if okay, this is what I want. This is this is what I want. This is speaking to like the what like four listeners we have in Italy. <laughs> uh, if you are in Italy. Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com and just say like hi. Like I don't care what you say. Journal? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh or or give us more tips about the Amalfi Coast if you if you're familiar with the region because I had such a lovely time. God, I think it's like eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say the topic of of how this film gets per um perceived in Italy will be really interesting but I think I think a lot of that will just be taken care of by the dubbing that'll happen when it goes to sure, Italy sure sure uh, because the accents in this film are interesting they uh, are, they uh, are a choice there there's certain <laughs> or or lack thereof no no th- people are choosing things uh, I, I don't think they're not choosing a thing well, what are it's those not things, inconsistent <laughs> what do those uh, things mean we'll, we'll get mean, to but, it we'll get to it uh, yeah again just because the choice is interesting doesn't mean it's not a choice <laughs> uh i also want to uh chime in with an email that we got a couple of weeks ago uh from zach uh also known as the topam historian um and this was regarding our uh 
Bo Burnham episode inside, ah! uh, and the email comes within with the title that we all, that you requested specifically, I Jeffrey did. Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> Zach writes, "Hope all is well." I've just finished up your inside podcast and had to say. That the film rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, no. <laughs> Against the grain? <laughs> to start, no, in my opinion, this is not a film. It is a comedy special. Second, while I understand the hype and praise for the special and agree with the fact that the technical production is amazing for a single man to do, I disliked the special much akin to how I dislike most of Burnham's other specials. Oh, hey, I'm just going to just uh, steady myself for the reading the rest of this. Nihilistic comedy is something that I actively avoid as I come to comedy for relief and brevity and not reminders of the shit pile world uh, that is our world. I do enough pessimistic thinking on the daily and I don't want to pack onto that. And while I do not get that, the, uh, when, while I do get that not all of Inside is nihilistic in nature, it does exude the type of writing through its runtime, leaving me, me with a bad taste in my mouth. Third, I think songs like Welcome to the Internet give off the vibes that let's, of let's talk about shit. Uh, on the internet with no real solutions or new commentary. A vibe that I genuinely hate and disagree with on a fundamental level. It's a common att- attack seen in traditional, specifically in the refrain, um, specifically in the refrain in Welcome to the Internet that has become popular. The one that ends with Obama sent the immigrants to vaccinate your kids. Um, there's more to this, but I, I will um, come to the end here. I, uh, uh, Zach writes, uh, I may have reached a little bit too far in my last statement, <laughs> uh, but I do stand by it like everything else in this ranty email. Long story short, I don't like the special. I appreciate his production and songwriting, but it's not the type of thing for me and heaps of praise being laid onto it only emboldened my stance. Thanks again for doing all you do and hope all is well with the fans. P.S. Since Real Steel has been covered, my new recommendation for a possible podcast is Heather's, the 1988 Ooh. Michael Lehman film. Could be an interesting look into the adaptation, both into theater and television. And yes, before you ask, I have seen 8th Grade and I do love it. I think Bo... Uh, he's on a first name basis now. Has a bright future as a director, but as a comedian, not my cup of tea. Well, thank you, Zach, once again for the email. Uh, yeah, I and I, all the listen. work you do as the Topam historian. We do of course, of course, the, the the tireless hours of having to listen to us yap. <laughs> um, yeah, I, no, I, I've heard I've heard the sentiment uh, from a few people uh, that that Zach is saying here. Uh, I I disagree with it, but that's pretty clear from the episode. You can go back and listen to it. Um, not that that doesn't connect with someone, of course. Yeah. Whatever connects, whatever doesn't. But um, the the interesting the interesting thing I find with with um, this argument, and I, I I not even argument, sort of like stance uh, when it's paired with different things right like so i totally get that nihilism is not a thing that everyone's into i am too into it so i can understand that the opposite exists yeah um so <laughs> totally get that nature you're coming to comedy to 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 ease your troubles and laugh and and realize that the world is not a terrible place and if the or like not all a terrible place and if all the comedy is doing is telling you that the world is a terrible place that is not fulfilling the thing that you came to the comedy for so i completely understand that but then there's also the other thing which i have a little bit harder time uh grasping onto um uh which is sort of then having the comedy not offer a solution mm-hmm. um i feel like those two things don't quite work together right because if i if if i'm coming to the comedy for for brevity and laughter i'm not looking for solutions i'm looking for whatever and it could all tie together right. um in different ways um but yeah again listen i will not fault zach or anybody for not digging the bo burnham thing i i uh i have not connected with bo burnham's work until now i've uh, watched it i've listened to like songs eighth, you liked eighth grade though right 
Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I meant the comedy comedy, comedy work, stand up. Okay, like I, I was like, oh, he sings, he can sing a funny song, and it's silly and whatever. But like, I've never like actively thought about what he has sung, hmm. and that I'm still singing and thinking about that special. And it's been what three weeks? Yeah, like, like so. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that the nihilism part. You know what it was? It's nihilism paired with production value, and that is something I can get behind. Um, but yeah, no, Zach, thank you so much. Um, I would love to do Heather's. I you, can I can you tell me my secret shame? Yeah, have not seen Heather's. Interesting. Have I mean, seen. that might be an interesting one for us to do on an I, off week. It, it, it's clearly like a pantheon type film that everyone loves and talks about, and uh, I I just have not seen it. It is not, uh, and it's it, it is one that I would like to see at some. Point. There are great parts of it. There are parts of it that age like curdled milk, but it yeah. is so interesting. Uh, um, and 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 actually, I have not seen the television show, but I liked. No, was it a television, was it a television show? show? I don't know uh, that. I, th- I think a theater. Oh, show? into theater and into television. I know there was a theater production. Oh, um, I don't. I didn't know about the TV show. I, yeah. I am not well versed in the Heather's universe. Um, <laughs> the, the HCU. Yeah, uh, Zach. I will assign you a little bit of homework here, uh, which is uh, I would love it if you could watch a movie called Sullivan's Travels by Preston Sturges, which is a film about very much about the topic you're talking about, which is uh, uh, it's about a filmmaker who is trying to make a, a serious film about the ills of our times and uh, decides to um, become embedded in the sort of uh, impoverished of the nation uh, and and kind of learns lessons about what comedy means to those who live the world that he wants to talk about. Um, it's very, it's very, very interesting. And I think it, it speaks to the thing that you're uh, discussing in this email. I'll also say I, I don't agree because that's, that's not what I go to comedy for. Um, while I definitely enjoy the last, I think the, the, the thing I'm most excited by in comedy is um, insightfulness. Um, I love, uh, I, I think comedians are kind of part philosophers, part public speakers, and, and, um, they have this sort of ability to tap into the taboo subjects of the time with, uh, with their humor and offer insight in unique and interesting ways. And, and that's, that's what generally gets me most excited about comedy, uh, which is why I loved, um, Heather, uh, uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. Um, mm-hmm. which I thought was very funny and deeply insightful. Um, I think Dave Chappelle works in the same way as well. Um, so uh, we, we have different, um, you know, uh, different um, uh, outcomes that we're looking for when it comes to comedy, but I, but I appreciate the email, and I think it's interesting to think about this uh, from that point of view. I've definitely heard that sentiment echoed on the Internet. Um, it's almost like people have different opinions you hear <laughs> not in this podcast not, not in this economy <laughs> no um two opinions what are you crazy <laughs> now we got three technically <laughs> oh my god uh listen these opinions are getting out of control yeah um i i, I will not abide by it so now we're going to talk uh, about a disney pixar film that went straight to netflix by the way i, I we've just or made disney two, plus disney two plus inadvertent references in terms of nihilism and um I, by not abiding to the big lebowski which i did rewatch this week and can i just say that movie is like a warm blanket to me i gotta uh, rewatch it it's been a minute yeah i i love that film so much um but you know f- insightful and funny i so sorry and i also just made a mistake of calling this a netflix film no. and the interesting thing about that is it still feels like a netflix film to me uh, like yeah that's that's interesting because that was actually the first note i wanted to talk about really yeah yeah well tell us what luca is about for those who have to. not uh, dipped their toes in the water so to speak 
On the Italian Riviera, an unlikely but strong friendship grows between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. I mean, they're leaving a character out, but I, yeah. I guess that is fit technically what happens. Yeah. Um, and my favorite pun for this movie, um, I can't remember the writer who came up with it, but it was Calamari by my name. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that one? No, uh, but it's too good. It shouldn't be as funny. <laughs> uh, I will is, Google the author of that, and that is w- the peach. Then, <laughs> then the the pasta. That was, of it, course, the illustrious A.O. Scott from the New York Times. Who oh wow! His wow! It's why they get paid the big bucks. It I guess still why he gets paid the big. That bucks. was very very funny. Uh, directed by Enrico Casarosa, who I believe directed Luna, uh, uh, a favorite uh, Pixar short film. Um, yes, Matt, there is something that has happened, and I don't want to point this to the Disney takeover of Pixar, but I want to point it to perhaps just the changing of the, the changing of the times, so to speak. Of the guard. But Pixar films used to feel like an event, right? Sure. Yeah, mm, I'll give yeah. you that. I, I, I often felt like whenever there was, and this, and really for me, uh, while I loved Toy Story uh, 1 and 2 and thought they were both beautiful films, it was when I saw Finding Nemo in a theater that I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. And these are, you know, whatever this, this studio is doing is incredible. Sure. Uh, which led me to The Incredibles, which I liked a lot. Ratatouille, which I loved. Um, and, uh, you know, I think WALL-E as well. There, there, there was, I, 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 to, to put it mildly, uh, I went to a wedding of a student of mine, uh, a film student of mine who loved movies as as he wanted to do. And the big surprise at the wedding was that he had hired out a movie theater and had an advanced screening of Wally for all of us to see. Oh, I remember wow. I had a flight the next morning and the screening was going to start at 12 p.m. And I was like, I, I kind of have to do this. He's got Wally for us to watch, and that was his like wedding gift to us. Oh wow, um, it was pretty. That's amazing. cool. Yeah, it was very very cool. So, but suffice to say, I I always felt like Pixar movies were an event up until the last couple of years, right? I I think. Okay, okay. I have two theories on why this is, and they're broader than just Disney Pixar. Okay, okay. Um, I think. One, as we see the further corporatization of art forms that we like, we're starting to see more and more cracks or dents form in the in the overall product that we're seeing. And I'll go to video games for this a little bit. I was actually talking in our extra credits office hours today about Blizzard Entertainment, uh, makers of Warcraft and Starcraft and Overwatch, and how I've just lost the love like, because again, it used to feel like an event, like mm. it used to feel special and now it doesn't. And I've tried putting my finger on on why. And you can look at the history of Blizzard and see that like ever since they were bought by Activision, slowly but surely the creative hive mind that I feel like really directed the company to make something special each time has slowly chipped away and they've all left, like tons of them have left the company. It's a real ship of Theseus kind of deal. And, <laughs> um, and, and, and so on that note, I've started to notice other things happening in that, in that sort of vein across content. Huh. Um, I feel like Disney Pixar is 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 suffering from this sort of as well. I can't speak to uh, a turnover of of um, you know creative controlled controlling people. Yeah. But like I, the more the more that we sort of like turn special things into money making things more prominently, 
I feel like that's going to be where we start losing the specialness. There's another thing, too. Okay. And it might just be that we're getting older and slowly more jaded. <laughs> uh, I The jury is out. Hmm. Yeah, Zoe, I think, votes for number two if you can hear her. Well, um, I want to I want to preface this by saying Pixar Disney was taken over t- Disney took over Pixar in 2006 and by takeover they merged and they they yeah. bought a significant share of the company Pixar did so uh, with a intention to retain creative ownership and, and so a song sim- in their heart and several films came out uh, post that 2006 uh, which were probably in production prior to the 2006 takeover but you know that were big events and that was Wally up um, Monsters University perhaps Toy Story three. Uh, Inside Out, I think, to me, is the last great Pixar movie, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, uh, we and since then, we've certainly seen more sequels. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Finding Dory, Cars 3. Coco um, is a film that I didn't see in theater, but I have come to love quite a bit. And it's one I want to revisit a few more times. Yeah. And we on this podcast uh, have done... One, two, three, four. Well, this will be a fourth um, Pixar film uh, since the start of the show, and yeah. that was Toy Story: Onward, Soul, and Luca. And I kind and I do feel that Toy Story four was the last event of these three. Hmm. And this is obviously things changed um, once the pandemic hit, and Onward had to be released on on uh, Disney Plus, and movies um, didn't. You, you know, the way they got released uh, fundamentally changed. And that, that that relationship is also changing now as well as the, the theatrical window to VOD is shortening as well. Um, but, you know, to see a film like Luca on uh, home on your home screen um, and not having the sort of mass promotion that it might have outside um, obviously changes the way we sort of interpret it and feel about it. But I do want to, I, I wonder if there is a sort of, substantive quality quality to the films as well that is changing uh, i mean i think and again i think the process that i've described with blizzard with 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 pixar is is a slow process it's not like a company buys a thing and turns a thing on a dime it's slowly but surely hmm. people that have controlling share will have opinions and yeah. maybe those opinions will be great in these two two examples, it feels like there's a sort of chipping away of what made something special. Yeah, and um, we've seen that comparatively in the Star Wars universe, for example, where yeah. you know more films are coming out than they were in a previous time, and they're getting less and less interesting. And I'm curious what will happen with Marvel. Like Mar- I, again, I go back to, I cannot believe they pulled off. Yeah, Endgame, and like there's a cap there, and like the the embargo as of today, I believe. What was that? Not anymore. What are you talking about? There's no cap there anymore. Oh, I get it. You yeah, did a joke. You did a Marvel joke. Yeah, what a what a lovely surprise. She here. I've had a rough day. Yeah. That actually that that warmed that warmed whatever uh, cavity my heart used to live in. <laughs> um, no, and, and and the embargo on Black Widow as of today got lifted, and everyone's like, it's all right, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and and it's funny because like I don't know whether or not that's true or you know whatever. Uh, I am curious where they sort of go from here. They've they, they have my trust to a point, but they are still uh, a non-autonomous entity that I've watched devour other Everything. things <laughs> and and make slightly less good things. And 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 uh, sorry, this is a whole other time bend and audience. I'm sorry you have to deal with this, but uh, there's actually something that I will have talked about last week when you are hearing this on our Fast Nine episode. 
um, that will tie in, I will bring up again here, and I will reference that I'm going to reference it there. Because we're recording these out of order, and listen, there's if you're watching Loki, you'd understand the whole thing. Have so, I seen Fast 9 in this alternate universe? Uh, no. One of your variants has, <laughs> but also that variant like loves fun. I also um, have not seen Loki, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's okay. The TVA <laughs> is not coming for you. Um, but, but there is this just... This sort of feeling of chipping away. Now, this is all to say, I feel like we're being real, we're really being real bum shows here, uh, <laughs> Shahir. Uh, Luca is, I'll say, sort of straight up. I had a, I had a very fine time watching it. Right. Um, it is beautiful. I'm a sucker for overly saturated blue island colors, <laughs> like um, the Amalfi Coast. Like the Amalfi. <laughs> I missed the Amalfi Coast. I had the best. We. Oh, I could just tell stories about. I'm not even going to because I'm going to get sad. Yeah. Um, the. The the animation style here is something I actually really uh, jived with. It it had a sort of faux claymation vibe to it, mm-hmm. which I I love when it feels like it's correct. Like I never you never you never think it's claymation, but like just I don't know if it's the 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 type of frame movement they do or the way that the eyes and face sort of function. Like it it had a really sort of joyous, not and again like the highest quality DIY feel to it. Did you see and, um the good dinosaur? No, I think it had a it had a similar vibe to the Good Dinosaur. To me. Okay, yeah, so. yeah. Um, and so I really loved that. I thought the characters were very likable. I enjoyed um, the the story overall. I know it was I know it was basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, win a race sort of movie and have everything <laughs> be okay, and that's fine. I think where it started to falter and feel a little less special for me is something that I noticed in Fast 9 and something that I notice here, and I'm noticing more and more in in either either big company movies or, or something, and I it might have to do with the way that we ingest media as a whole. Mm-hmm. I felt like this movie, from a pacing perspective, like, had, like, micro-timing issues. Hmm. And by that, I don't even mean necessarily, like, the actual edit. I mean sort of, like... The plot point, the way the characters act with one another emotionally from one scene to the next, everything just felt like a little too fast. Yeah, a little too fast, like, a little too furious. Yeah, yeah, a little too Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Like it felt like it's weird because it's not like it feels it feels like 95 percent earned as opposed to 100, which is kind of like the normal bar for a movie to go, especially. I mean, a Pixar movie hits these consistently throughout the board. Right. And, and here, like, it's just like, this movie, oh, I think you might have said this at one point about films and, and something that irked you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's when a story keeps moving because the story has to keep moving, not that characters actually did a thing to right. get the story to move. It's like, oh, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, but there's no, this happens because this happens. I think uh, I'll credit Trey Parker and Matt Stone for that. Over oh, okay. Me. <laughs> the, yeah, well, there you go. So like that that's where I kind of landed on this. It was not a joyless experience watching this movie. I had a nice time. It was pretty and I liked the characters and it was funny and had really smart writing in it. Yeah. Um but there was there was whatever connective tissue lives in like the ether of a film felt rushed. So I wanted to put together a couple of thoughts on this and I haven't had time to really flesh this out in much detail, but the thought that kept occurring to me while I was watching the movie we're doing it live is that I like this film when it's metaphorical I'm not as engaged when the film is literal interesting okay which is to say say that when this became 
the sort of burgeoning friendship, and in some cases, some people has read this as a as a you know coming out story. Um, I actually was delighted with the way in which that was represented, and I think um, the director uh, Enrico Casarosa had talked about uh, being influenced by both Fellini and Miyazaki, mm-hmm. and I think when the movie felt like it was touching on something um, that was about the expression of finding one's identity, I felt the movie was really working for me. And I was delighted with that. Mm-hmm. When the movie was literal about a race in, Por- in Porto Rosso and about sea monsters having to hide their identities but, you know, and, and dealing with what happens when you get splashed with water and you know, how this town interacts with sea monsters and wants to kill them and also this bully who wants to you know, like win the race and this Vespa and all that sort of stuff. That's when the film kind of didn't work for me. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> and so when it was metaphorical, I, really, I actually really enjoyed it and I really loved like, these little details of Luca... Um, kind of finding this expression of his soul um, through delighting in, in, in little moments with his new friend, Alberto. And it kind of reminded me of like, you know, uh, you know new friendships, uh, new friendships formed. And I can certainly see this being read um, as a coming out story as well. And like finding mm-hmm. that sort of, because, you know, he, he has to sort of keep that side of him hidden. Uh, and there is a danger to him for doing it according to yep. his parents. Although that danger, uh, I feel wasn't quite clearly explained until the sort of towards the back end when you were like, Oh, the people on land hunt the sea monsters. Yeah. They do not make that clear whatsoever. Yeah. You don't know if it's just like a, Oh, they don't understand people. Yeah. And then even when they get to the city, it's yeah. not clear except like you see signs of fishermen. Yeah. And it's like, and you're like, you, okay, it's a fishing town. That's it's a fine. fishing town. But, that then, makes sense. but then it's actually like they hunt sea monsters. Yeah. Like it, there's a point when, it, so I thought I read it as, they don't know sea monsters exist, mm. and they can't find out that sea monsters exist because yeah, that would that's be what detrimental to well. sea monsters. Yeah. But it turns out they know. this whole town <laughs> knows exactly that, a t- that another race of sentient fish people live in the ocean, and they just actively hunt them for reasons unknown. Yeah, and, and then, and which then makes it doubly weird. Now I'm just going to get into like super spoilers. When at the end, everything's okay. Yeah, like there, it's just there was these small jumps in logic that I, 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 I that's it's an interesting point here. When it works in the metaphorical, it really clicks. Yeah, and but I, it I, doesn't take the time or have the sort of nuance <laughs> in it to make the actual literal function. Yeah, and and. Y- I actually felt the same way about Up, um, you know, the uh, the other Pixar film. When I think when that film was metaphorical, I was I was in love with that movie. When it was literal, like he you know he puts balloons into his house and flies and finds this spot on the map, I was like, oh, I'm less in love with this movie. And when it becomes Star Wars by the end of it, I was like, eh, I'm sort of you know not quite here with this movie. But metaphorically, I'm in love with that movie. You were, you were, but you were really on board for all of the, all uh, of the talking aging dogs. wife death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for the wife death, I was like there, and I actually, I, I thought, I think that is like still legitimately one of the most beautiful sequences in it's any so Pixar good. movie. It's so um, good. but yeah, the 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 yeah, the problem for me is that again, the the film does eventually settle into the rhythm of being, uh, kind of a chase movie. 
you know, with this, or a race movie, you know, like where they've got to complete this race. Mm-hmm. And when it does that, as you mentioned, there are turns that happen, particularly with Alberto, that are, yeah, seemingly unearned. And then yeah. final turns, which happen with uh, Luca's parents, that also feel unearned. And the whole town. And the whole town, yeah. It, and then, like, you're sort of like going, what is happening here? Now, again, on a metaphorical level, and the problem is, is that there's a disconnect that happens at that point where you, I started losing the metaphor of, of you know, like finding your identity and like enjoying, you know, like, you know, yep. being true to oneself. Uh, the more it actually started to, it started to have to deal with plot. Yeah. Um, and so you're right, which is that there is a delight to this film. And, and um, I think, you know, some of the other reviews that I've been reading about it as well has also praised the fact that unlike a film um, like Soul or Inside Out, both Pete Doctor films, um, this film is somewhat not ambitious about, you know, metaphysical or what animation can achieve or, or you know, like uh, th- this is a film that uh, has large sequences set underwater. And for a studio that produced Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, they seem almost childlike by comparison. Um, and, you know, like, so I-, I think there's a sort of not a lack of ambition, but a sort of pared down level of stakes, which is that it is about this friendship. It's about this small town. And it's not about like, you know, all the beautiful rendering and detail that we can put into every one of these scenes, but about like capturing an essence of it. And I actually, I do appreciate that, but there is something about that coupled with the fact that it doesn't feel like an event anymore. And when the story and the metaphor, which is something that Pixar has been so good at predominantly for most of their, most of their career span as a studio um, starts to feel a little slight, I guess maybe is the word. I'll I'll actually go go a little bit further, and I might walk this back. I'm just sort of uh, like you, sort of formulating uh, some opinions here. I don't think if your film has a literal story that you can have a fully successful metaphorical story bolted on or around it if your literal story is not solid. Hmm. I, I, I think it will I, not it will not connect as deeply. You will have moments of connection, but it will not be a through line of connection because at least for me, I, I, I'll just talk for me. And again, maybe I'll walk this back by the end of this podcast. Like, again, I loved I loved the sort of um, allegory of sort of being having to hide the, the, the fish people, etc. that like, you know, it's dangerous for them out there. They have to be careful. They want to. Uh, assimilate and be a part of the sort of society in general, but they can't because X, Y, and Z, you can put that to a lot of different things. But then the second that it doesn't make sense or it flips on its head without even sort of purposely doing so, like how group A relates to group B, and Mm. then all of a sudden it's fine. Like it takes the power away from the, the, the metaphorical when the literal kind of doesn't mean anything. Like... There's a weird there's a weird connect there that if if there was just some more structural work, I think the metaphorical would have landed for me throughout the entirety of it and I wouldn't even be thinking about the the other stuff. It's like it's like good editing, right? Like good editing, you don't notice the editing unless there's like trick tricks. I, I um there's part of me that um <clears throat> certainly agrees with what you're saying in terms of like just how well constructed a film is 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 a, is a testament to how successful it can be in terms of its audience response. However, 
I think there is a sort of a huge variance in terms of how the how the literal can be executed. Sure. Um, and and you know if we think about Miyazaki films, for example, I just rewatched Ponyo maybe a year or so ago, Ooh. and Ponyo on a literal level almost makes no sense. You know, like it almost, it, you know, like it, it there's. It, there's a point at which people are chasing and there's a giant fish run and it's like it, this movie almost makes no sense but the movie fundamentally works because I think there is a sort of languid understanding of what how cinema can represent ideas and I think I think there is a possibility here there's a there's a huge range for where literal storytelling can work and where it won't work but I think, like you said, in, uh, that movie is super uh, metaphorical. Mm. It doesn't even try to really do the literal thing. I think when you try to do the if 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 your film that has a metaphor also is trying to do a literal story, that is when it the tie that I am uh, constructing I think comes into play. About endlessness, yeah, doesn't have a literal story. But it's entirely metaphor. Yeah. Yes, and, and it works. Like I'm saying, if you're gonna have cake and eat it too, you have to have cake. Like I, I, th- there, I, there's, there's like, part of me that just says that there's a huge, huge variance in the way that that can be done, and and I think maybe I what we're all get, what we're both getting at here is the intertwining of metaphor and and of metaphor and narrative. There has to be a successful intertwining of the two things. Um, and with a, whatever the equation is that makes that work for one film versus not making it work in this particular case um, is, you know, is entirely arbitrary and, and different for every story and every, and every um, style of execution of story. Yeah. Um, but but there, there was, a, and I, I do want to get to this point as well, which was there was something about this, which I touched upon with, our, with Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs review, which we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast as well, which is the accents and the, <laughs> the creation of the accents in this film. Because on the one hand, there is this sort of like completely Americanization of characters who uh, will speak, uh, you know, Jacob Tremblay plays uh, Luca and has no accent whatsoever, but occasionally will sort of utter... Uh, Italian phrases so that we understand the geography of where we're at. Um, you know, they will say buongiorno to each other, silencio. Um, they will have certain phrases that they repeat to each other, which which sort of gives us a sense of geography. But then they will... I, I don't know if it's a purposeful coding or not, but then, you know, uh, villain characters like Ercole uh, will have a thick Italian accent and will talk like this, which is almost caricature. Yep. And, and then, you know, his, 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 his counterpoint will not have that accent. Um, and uh, Julia similarly, you know, speaks with a lot of Italian uh, nuances in her, in her speech, but doesn't speak with an Italian accent. Now, you could argue this is sort of almost um, the, the choice of we're just going to go with what the actors can do. Um, as opposed to, you know, like making them, you know, forcing them into positions. But it, but, but um, the thing that always kind of brings me back into, into this discussion is that how does this movie get read by the people 
who are from the region this movie is intended to represent. And email how send to Olay Movie Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Email us in from the Amalfi Coast. Tell us also uh, good deals and where we can go on the. Yeah. Uh, give us your best Airbnb. <laughs> give us not your even, Airbnb. No, no, no. Give me your best B&B. Let's not even live in the sky. I don't want Airbnb anymore. I just want a B&B. What? You're going to stay with people in the house? Like an yeah. gr- Italian grandma waking you up and giving you fresh Listen, coffee, fresh oh, espresso. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, and like on a cliff. Just, yeah. It's the best of every world. I got to tell you my Amalfi Coast story at some point. This is not the time. Maybe at the end of this podcast. Maybe at the end we'll just start regaling each other yeah, with yeah. our tales of the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, our, our sea tales. Um, <laughs> or our sh- oh, we should, we should have practiced the sea shanty for this. There's no shanties in this. No, I'm saying we should have practiced the sea shanty for this episode. But there's no shanties in it. It's just know, has but the sea. Are, but, but this is the sea. There's there's mermen in this. Come on. Yeah, but, but no, no. <laughs> shanties are for sailors. Yeah. Recount, regaling stories of the mermaids and mermen that they have seen along the way. Yeah, no. I <laughs> agree to disagree. Oh, I, can't, the, I can't get Do, on do you board. agree that the characters in the lighthouse would have had sea shanties? Oh, 100%. And did you agree that they saw mermaids? They thought they did. Yeah, of course they thought they did because mermaids aren't but real. The shanties, not every <laughs> shanty is about merfolk. I'm not saying it's every shanty is about merfolk, but I'm saying it could be applicable in this scenario. Sure. We this could have written the world one shanty of... about merfolk. <laughs> yeah. We could have done that. We could have done Thank that. Thank you for calling it out. We should Everyone have Everyone is now dumber. <laughs> <for>. <laughs> um, I, I, how did you feel about the, like, did it, did it strike you? I'm not sure if I'm the only person who feels like this, but when accents, accents, yeah, when accents are, are thrown away like this, I do, there's a part of me that kind of, there's something inside me that twitches. Unless everyone is doing a caricature of their accent, it does stick out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, Ercole? Ercole. Yeah. uh, He has a, like the, 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 the stereotypical hyper thick, basically coded to be distrustful accent. Mm. Like, because he's the villain. But no one else has that. Yeah. And so it sticks out. I think even even his like little um, cronies cronies are speaking in an American accent. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, and it's funny because I, I know we did this movie and I, I kind of poo-pooed on it as well, but I'll even give the new Mortal Kombat credit. Like when it was the Scorpion and Sub-Zero stuff in the beginning and it was Chinese and Japanese, they both spoke Chinese and Japanese. They didn't understand one another. It wasn't just the one who was evil speaking in the foreign language. That like, is until Scorpion came back and said, get over here for some reason. Hey, there's catchphrases, okay? <laughs> I, and again, I am not for defending For some reason. They, they, they spent Kombat. so much attention to that. Uh, like, yeah, I, you know why he said that? Um, no, I don't. I actually Because that's the catchphrase. I don't know why he said that. I'm going to pretend I've never played a Mortal Kombat game. game. I've never played a Mortal Kombat game, and suddenly that character, who's had a difficult time understanding Chinese, suddenly says, get over here. Well, to be fair, he could have spoken English. Listen, you learn a lot in hell, and I imagine there's a lot of people who speak English in hell. Um, So, so (laughs) the, the, the way that this film does it, it is noticeable. Uh... no other no other character really in this movie is as much of a caricature as that villain character. Mm. I mean, there's stuff, there's tropes. There's the, you know, the worried parents. There's the grandma who, like, doesn't give a shit because she knows what's up. Like, 
there's uh that's you know, the grandma uh, from it's always sunny in philadelphia by the way yes yeah uh it's and it's so funny because like i love that character because in the best type of films it makes like the end make sense but this she, one it, she, yeah she's a throwaway it, character it doesn't really like yeah. like and it, it, there's an unfortunate thing about maya rudolph being playing the mother in this movie just a few weeks after we'd watched the mitchells versus the machines where she played yeah. the most badass mother who, and, it was, and I, I kind of was like, oh, is Maya Rudolph being typecast as mother? But what was interesting is that the performance in The Mitchells versus the Machines is so good and so strong, whereas this feels kind of flatlined for the same, almost the same to character. To be fair, yeah, they don't give the parents shit to do. No. I like, mean, uh, they, they're literally they, running they around a like town for weeks yeah. soaking children. <laughs> like, that's their plot. Yeah. And, and again... Because the movie doesn't set up like the true danger that they understand what merfolk are and they want to kill them for <laughs> some reason, that it doesn't make sense why they're so worried. It's also, like yeah, and, and and like I, there's this literal side of it which is also like, how long were they doing that for? Like, where were they staying? Were they were they going back into the water and then coming back out again? Like, what was the deal here? It never like it. I always have a problem when 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 films or stories are like, thing X is so dangerous, <laughs> and then like every character just does thing X with no repercussions, and you're like, I guess it's not that dangerous. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's dangerous. Also, uh, by the end of the film, Luca is gonna go into the the He's world go at to school. He's gonna go to the you know world at large because and, apparently everyone's fine with merfolk now. Yeah, or like it's not like people in town don't know he's a merfolk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, and again, I and 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 these things could be f fixed narratively. Like, I, I I yeah. I I think this is um, and and there's a cumulative effect with the fact that it doesn't feel like an event anymore. That the that the sort of animation style is sort of paired back to you know like there was a thing when i whenever i would watch a pixar film to to sort of learn the kind of new technology that they had developed to do one thing you know like hair textures or uh in toy story 4 the way they did um uh anamorphic lenses and bokeh and all that sort of stuff um that yeah. might be just something that you glean onto because you're into the tech side of no, things. no i am but i but yeah. i but i what i'm saying is that that there there's a simplification of all of that here that it, you know like nothing while i'm sure that this was a very difficult film to make and there are challenges within that I would not even begin to imagine on the surface. Uh, it does feel very for, for a Pixar film, at least it feels like it would, it, it kind of feels like it could have come from one of the Elisa competitors. If that makes sense. I mean, it definitely feels like DreamWorks could have made it. Yeah. You know what um, I mean? And, 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 and that's not the, that, and you know it's yeah, but uh, sorry. maybe maybe that's you know like I don't want to harp on that too much because I don't think that's a problem. No, but but it does along with the fact that the film is so slight and has these sort of uh, issue you know like story issues, it does kind of like compound itself into something. And the interesting thing is, whenever a f like you're right, Pixar used to have a full blown vibe. Mm. And then you had competitors trying either, like, they could never hit that vibe, so they tried different shit. Whether or not it connected with people or not, they attempted it. I think it's interesting with Mitchell's versus the Machines, yeah. for instance. Yeah. 
there's a different vibe, but, and I but, think it works. But it was exciting, and you were like, oh, wow, yes. this is a... Yes. I, I mean, it's obviously, it's, it's an evolution of what they did with Into the Spider-Verse. Of course. But, and this goes back to, this movie feels like another company trying to hunt for and almost succeeding at a Pixar vibe. Which yeah. then brings me to, is this actually happening due to the fact that, like, Pixar isn't really Pixar anymore. No, I, I, I well, I, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't, know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on, on how the movie got made I mean, and all that and, sort of and stuff. And let's be because fair. I, because I think it might Pixar be. Pixar is Pixar because they have the license to the name of Pixar. So like, that's true. Yeah. I, and Pixar can like, you know, not a lot of people remember the good dinosaur, which, and it's not a great, great movie. In fact, alongside Luca, it's, it's, you know, it's in a similar sort of bucket of Pixar kinds of movies. A bucket uh, null, if you will. <laughs> a bucket, a bucket null. Um, but uh, yeah, there's an interesting thing, which is that I guess the name Pixar has come to represent a certain level of quality or ambition. And this movie is not aiming for that same level of ambition. So we have to wonder how well it works and, and you know like the other thing that was um, that used to be amazing about Pixar and and I'm, I don't want to I don't want to level all of this at Pixar obviously but I but you know Pixar were known for their story writing and how well their stories yeah. were crafted um, from beat to beat and on an overall structural sense I mean like Finding Nemo is such a brilliant screenplay um, that movie goes on so many tangents, but it knows absolutely what is important about every single tangent and yeah. every character is functional within it. And it's central metaphor of a parent uh, having to learn to let their child fly on their, with their own, you know, with their own wings or their own fins, so to speak, is played at so beautifully in every scene of that film. Um, this is one where I feel like the metaphor is about finding your own identity and embracing it and not hiding it anymore. Um, but which... it doesn't succeed there, in my opinion, <laughs> because the lattice work that that would bolt onto to make that challenge real in a fantastical world isn't solid. Yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, the stories with the father, um, the stories oh, uh, with Alberto's father, you know, like the mystery of Alberto's father, for example, yep. um, which obviously could come back in a sequel if there's made enough money, um, <laughs> feels, it feels half-baked and it doesn't feel sort of succinct within the world of what this film is exploring with Luca. I, I you know, it is... It is, there is pleasures within, obviously, and there are delights within this. And it, it, Pleasures it, within. Pleasures That's within. what the movie should have been called. The pleasures within, yes. The pleasures within. Yeah. No, that, that, the metaphor would have been much more literal. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, there is a sort of, uh, there's a sense that the standard of what we have come to expect is not being necessarily met. And that for a studio that has a smaller output and is known for those uh, is is somewhat, you know, uh, disappointing, I guess, is the word. But then there are Miyazaki films that I don't you know, sure. love. And I, w you I won't even say disappointing. I'll say lackluster. Mm. I won't think about this movie. I think about Inside. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. No, sorry. Inside I, Out. Uh, Inside Out. Thank yeah. you. I think about Inside Out all the time. I think about Up pretty much a lot. Even even some of the stuff in, to be honest, some of the stuff in Toy Story 3 like resonates. Of like, course, Toy Story 3 is amazing. So like, like. Finding Nemo is one of the most incredible films. And Ratatouille. Ratatouille is really good. Ratatouille I need to is Ratatouille. phenomenal. It's just we're, such we're an amazing a, film. 
we're having a bit of a of a of a similar thing that Jamie and I had last week with a Quiet Place Part Two, right? And that is, we are having more interesting conversations based around the previous installments of things <laughs> rather than discussing the thing we're supposed to be discussing, and that is telling. Perhaps, um, perhaps. Again, oh god, I hate being such a dick. I oh, don't, but do in this, you? Do in you? this. <laughs> In this particular case, I do. This movie, I do think, was made with love. I think everyone involved really cared about it. I think that that it it has um, moments of real joy. In fact, to be honest, I was more on board before they got to town. Like, yeah. when it was just them fucking around trying to build, build a, a Vespa, Vespa out of yeah. junk. Yeah. Like, I was like... Well, that, this... was, that was that moment where it was like you were seeing Luca kind of finding himself. This feels like growing up yeah like you meet another kid that knows slightly more than you you become friends with them you spend time with them your parents don't like it then as you grow up you kind of realize that that kid also doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and like then you have to sort of make some choices about your life like i could get on board with that yeah. that's that's my story yeah <laughs> like but but then once it sort of turns into the more literal, like you said, the race, the overly Italian accent bad guy, the the sea monster conundrum, I will I will talk uh, label it. Like it just sort of gets a little too heavy for its own shit. Like it 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 warbles too. It never collapses, but it warbles a lot to the point where you're like you get taken out of like the balancing act. And you're like, is this gonna fall down? Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't. But it, you you notice it, yeah. Like I, I think there's a sort of there's a moment where you walk away from this film where you really you know like like I think we've said this before is the the great movies are the ones that you 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 never you you the movies begin when you walk out of the movie in a sense you know like you you're thinking about them when you're when you th the 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 movie continues as you leave the as you sure. leave the theater, and this is one where the movie ends as you know in the theater or in the screening. It ends when you when you when you finish this movie, and and questions are are not abound onto onto what you have, and that is that is a high watermark to try and reach. Mm -hmm. It's just that this is a studio that is known for reaching that watermark, and that's the point. Yeah. When you are Pixar, when you are a studio known for immense quality, your shit's going to be held to a higher level. But look, not everything can be great. <laughs> not everything can be great. Yeah. Some things can be good <laughs> and fine mm. and all right. Mm. You know, and the, and much Luca like some podcasts. It's all right. Yeah, Luke is good. It's all right. It's all much right. like uh, maybe podcast. the show you're listening to yeah. right now. We're, we're pretty um, average. We're pretty average. You know what? We're I'm a solid, fine with it. We're a solid two and a half stars. Yeah, to and, and and listen, you can rate us uh, accordingly on iTunes. We haven't asked for iTunes ratings in a long time. Well, there's a thing that's happened with iTunes, which is that they've they've now migrated into the podcast apps, and I don't think anyone uses that app. Like, do you use the podcast app on? on I do actually. Oh, really? I use Spotify, uh, man. I use Spotify or that, depending on the network that the thing is on. Oh, okay. Um, but at the same time, look, I don't know. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Le I, I don't, Tell I don't us know. how average I don't we know. are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you as a listener can, other than tweeting at us, which you can do as well, but that doesn't like move the needle. I don't know how you can let the algorithm know how average we are. <laughs> like, I don't understand. And we've been doing this. This is episode, like, what, 329? Yeah, Three tweet at Film Twitter and be like, these guys are all right. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Uh, you know, like this, no, sorry. This is going to be episode three thirty one. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. We've been doing this for fucking six years, man. <laughs> Probably seven at this point, but I don't count last year. And the quality has definitely varied. So you know what? Take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes we're yeah. good. Sometimes we're not so good. And, and listen, sometimes we start the podcast with this episode has been potted a little differently, or whatever the fuck <laughs> I say when we mess up a thing. Um, uh, tell regardless. me about the Amalfi Coast. It's great. It's the best fucking place on the planet. This is this I, is this is another part of me, which is like, as a person who comes from New Zealand, like who a place that is known it is often called one of the most beautiful places on earth. I will go on record and say, I think the Amalfi Coast is probably the most beautiful place on earth. It is. It's the most beautiful <laughs> place on earth. It takes like three, like two different planes, a train, and two buses and a car to get there. But fuck, once you're there, you never want to leave. My, I just. It was I we, I went to the I went to Positano. Yeah, Positano, yeah. And where fucking limoncello was invented. <laughs> where where the flavor profile that your LaCroix that you were drinking earlier came from. It came from that fucking town. And I had such a blast. Uh I went with uh Joe Jude and Jen Piazza, friends yeah. of ours, yeah. uh or professional acquaintances, however, you know, uh however you want to go with it. And uh it was so fucking magical. Everything from uh, the ocean itself to the hikes up the sides of the cliffs and the stairways and things to the bed and breakfast that had the cliff face overlooking it that I shot a beautiful time lapse on to the, walking on cliffside roads, going to a seafood restaurant, staying like for like seven hours, talking with the owner, listening to his daughter sing, and then having the owner drive us home. <laughs> like it was, I can't, I can't. I can't talk about I just the, the feeling of that place and the kindness and the joy and the beauty of it was so entrancing. I fear going back hmm. because I don't know if it can ever live up. I, I Much like, like Luca yeah. to Pixar, I don't know if I can go back again. My stories about the Amalfi Coast have become more famous than the Amalfi Coast itself at this point or the or what it could be potentially in reality. But I went there um I can't remember when, I think it was 2012 or 13 or something like that. And uh, I went there because the Jafoni Film Festival uh, is up on the hills up uh, near the Amalfi Coast. And uh, one of my films was playing there. And, um, and it was uh, wonderful because the Jafoni Film Festival is a children's film festival. Um, okay. Children ranging from, I think, five year all the way up to 18 years old. And... Um, so the children are the judges, uh, the children, you know, like all the screenings are for children in those age ranges. Uh, I think my film was in the mature range. It was like the 15 to 18 year old range. And um, the kids turned out to uh, do the Q and A's for the films. And I got to tell you, these kids were amazing in terms of like the questions they asked. I've been to a lot of film festivals and I've done a lot of Q and A's on, you know, uh, about my films in front of audiences. And there's and nine times out of 10, the questions are not very good or, sure. or, or, you know, like the questions are like, what was it like making a movie? And you're like, uh, good. Um, it's pretty fucking good, man. Yeah. But this was like, these kids were really thinking about what the film was set, trying to say and really interrogating me. And they had very thoughtful questions. But besides that, the Jafoni Film Festival is in the small town called Jafoni. Um, the, 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 the main thing in this town is the film festival the so the people of the town would put on the festival they would make us dinner every night in this chapel uh on this church on top of the hill that we would walk to and have like this feast and then we afterwards we went to the amalfi coast and spent days there and it was just probably like i said one of the most beautiful places on earth 
I do want to point out, however, we might be wrong oh, about I where don't this, think movie this movie takes is place. In the Amalfi Coast. No, so like I was. It. It's in the Italian Riviera, which I'm now looking at maps, and it's like it's both. They're both in Italy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, but that is not <laughs> the same thing. Thanks, us Americans, <laughs> no, for I'm just, being I, dumbasses. But it looks like the Amalfi Coast, and that's that's all I need. <laughs> just <laughs> the, they basically t- what we just did was the equivalent of the way this film deals with accents, which was like we're like close <laughs> enough, right? We are. We're just at as solid bad. two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. Rate us on on Flickster, TikTok. Flickster. I don't know. Fucking whatever. We do have a TikTok account, but I do uh, we? Yeah, I put up uh, when we did uh, movie reviews with my son. I put them up there, but uh, how'd they do? I'm terrible. Oh. <laughs> you know, like, all you got to do uh, pick one of the pick one of the audio things. Just have him lip sync to it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have uh, man. Yeah. If I was 20 years old and attractive, I would be destroying TikTok. Potentially, yeah. I, I'm a damn good lip syncer, <laughs> but I the rest of me is not what TikTok wants to see. <laughs> Thanks to TikTok, I know 10 seconds of every major song right now, and I'm very happy about that. I also <laughs> love that like Jenna Marbles has had a comeback on TikTok. Not her I- specifically, but her three looks. Fucking oh yeah, I got three looks, and and, and that's it. Yeah, uh, a, t- a, a ten-year-old man, boy, a, a homeless a man, and, boy and, and a hooker. hooker. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, we have veered way off topic. Uh, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. We got some good flicks coming your way. We were we were talking about this. You texted me a group of three that I'm actually quite excited about each and every one of them that we could possibly do next. We have No Sudden Moves, yep. we have Zola, yeah. and we have Werewolves Within. I thought you would be excited about Werewolves Within. Uh, I'm excited about all three of those films. Yeah. So, uh, maybe we'll do a Twitter poll, see what we want to do next. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm all about those. Of course, though, there is the other elephant in the room, Shahir. Where, where is it? Uh, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. I, I Is coming out. I, so here's the thing. Just want to just want to point this out in terms of the trailer watching thing. Sure. Uh, for the MTV Movie Awards a few weeks ago, I had, had to, to watch. It. I had to watch. I had to watch all the trailers over and over again because I was cutting together a package yep. uh, of black of uh, Scarlett Johansson moments, and I and I had to watch all of the Black Widow things. Having seen all of those trailers, I no longer want to see the movie. Not that uh, I just feel like I've seen. There were too many trailers. Not not just that, but I feel like I've seen what I'm going to get out of the movie. Yes, there were too many trailers, and I, and I I'm not excited by that. I, I think if I hadn't seen any of those, I'd be. And you said Black Widow's coming out, and Kate Shortland is directed, who directed one of my favorite Australian films of all time. Well, one of my favorite films of all time, an Australian film called Somersault. Um, I would have been like cool, but now I'm like, uh, what am I going to get out of this movie? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I will continue the the story of the the MCU, uh, <laughs> and I'm no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I I um. We'll figure out when we're going to do it, if we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. Sheer, I know you're you're not back in, in movie theaters. I'm not back yet. in that's, movie theaters, that's which totally is why okay. I was absent uh, on our fear, uh, Fast 9 uh, movie. I'm, I'm just, uh, I have a young one who is no not vaccinated, and yep. so I keep that Makes in mind. total sense. Yep. Uh, so if we do do Black Widow, haha, do do. We'll probably have a guest for that as well, but we'll see where it lands. Um, everybody, hey, keep being you, and either go back to the movies or don't. Or, because it's your fucking decision, all right? You do it. Or, uh, or I would don't mask, do I, it. I, uh, with the Delta variant, I would mask up. Oh, oh yeah. I, I masked up the entire fucking time I was in the movies. Yeah, like totally. the yeah. yeah. But the... Um, and also, as, as illustrated in the episode two weeks ago, <laughs> from when we went to see A Quiet Place 2, all of the bad habits have just exacerbated. And again, my... 
uh, you know, case study group is low. It is the case study group of one or two times, but still. Um, I would have been excited worth... to see A Quiet Place in a movie theater. I think I yeah. think that's the thing that bums me out the most of all of everything we were talking about. Don't I, I could easily see Black Widow at home. Happy to see Fast Night at home. A Quiet Place Part Two is a movie that uh, I had such a great experience in the theater for the first one that uh, it would bum me out not to see that in the theater. But uh, yeah. yeah, not at that yeah. point right now. Uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, right. Anyway, everybody, hey, you're great. Thanks so much for listening and uh, listen again when we come back. Maybe there'll be something you like. Maybe not. Maybe we'll be the Pixar of your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.